everyone. Welcome back to the Liberal Arts Endeavor, a podcast by Michigan State University's College of Arts and Letters. As you may already know, I'm Hannah, one of your co-hosts and an intern at the college. Today, I'm back with my honorary co-host, Dean Chris Long. Hey, everyone. How's everybody doing? Doing great. Um, so it's great to have you back today with us. We have two very special guests, Kate Zonka, who is the Assistant Director of Academic Technology in the College of Arts and Letters, and Shay Tanis, the Associate Director of the Coleman Institute for Cognitive Disabilities and Assistant Professor in the Department of Psychi- Psychiatry at the University of Colorado Inchutz Medical Campus. Good job, Hannah. <laughs> hey, everyone. How's everyone doing? Hello. Hello. Shay, would you like to introduce yourself first as the guest of honor? Oh, wow. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, My name again is Shay Tanis, and I um, work as the associate director at the Coleman Institute for Cognitive Disabilities at the University of Colorado, uh, where our role and our mission really at at the institute is to apply advances in technology to folks with cognitive disabilities and their families and integrate research policy and science. So that is our primary goal, and it's what we look to do um, across the university and across the nation. Very cool. And as Hannah said, I'm Kate Sanka, associate, (laughs) just kidding, uh, academic, (laughs) I can't talk, assistant director (laughs) of academic technology for the college. Um, So out of our office, uh, we do a variety of things to support um, teaching and learning using technology. Um, And one of the big things that I do around that is accessibility. So hence the connection. Woo! So Kate and Shay are here to chat about the 2017 Accessible Learning Conference, which begins tomorrow here at MSU. To give a little background, accessibility is the inclusive practice of removing barriers which prevent access to information and education. This year, the conference is not one day, but two days, and includes a variety, a wide variety of pres- presentations, demonstrations, and networking opportunities surrounding accessible content, course, and website design and education. So let's start. This brilliant conference that's happening tomorrow, Kate, what inspired it? Sure. So this is the third year. Um, the Really what it was is I felt like there was a need to bring a variety of stakeholders across campus together to talk about this. Um, certainly we talk about it in different ways um, through our office and through uh, the college. Um, we work with faculty and we work with staff and other content creators to talk about accessible um materials, so websites, course materials, that sort of thing. But I noticed that um, there needed, there's kind of a need for some broader conversations uh, from other stakeholders in other colleges um, to have administration as a part of it um, and definitely to have students as a part of it. And so I, I thought, why not, why not try and bring people together for a day to, to explore this? And so um, in the first year, we had 80 people show up, which was really great. Um, and then since then, it's grown both in attendees and by day, of course, uh, two days now, like you said. Um, and it's been really interesting to see who has attended the conference. Certainly, still, Michigan State has the largest uh representation there in terms of the people who are who are attending. But um, we also have people coming from the state of Michigan uh, government. We have other universities uh, in the area, um, other nonprofits, companies that are doing work in accessibility. So it really, I think, is it's regionally drawing a lot of people together to talk about this. And um, Shay and I were actually having conversations about this last night. But um, I think it's such an important 
topic to have a variety of people together thinking about it, sharing ideas. So um, what this person is doing over here could help and benefit this person over here, and why not put them together to talk about it? So that's really uh, the idea behind it, is let's bring people together to really have these substantive conversations around accessibility. This is a great example of how some of our staff leadership, our academic staff and faculty leadership can bubble up and bring um, the reputation of the college and MSU to a higher level. So you know, Kate really has taken this on in a serious way and has done it in a very collaborative way so that she's embodying the value of collaboration and the place of the College of Arts and Letter at the center of that collaboration here at Michigan State. And as you think about the values of Michigan State University as a land-grant university, having us focus on questions of accessibility really makes a lot of sense. It's, a, it's really true to our history as a institution that was designed to be accessible widely. And so it's been really important to see this grow over the last few years. And we're really glad to have you here, Shay, with us yeah, this thank year. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, so talking to, to Kate, I've talked to Kate about this conference a lot these past, well, this past year. Yeah. Um, and students are really at the core of this conference, it feels like. So where do students fall within the conference? Sure. So for me personally, and um, it's definitely a value of our college, is um, experiential learning. And that... I know there's been an episode, I think, specifically about that. Two but episodes. Two episodes, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, so that that's a variety of things, right? So it's study abroad, study away that we talk about. It's internships that we talk about, jobs. Um, but in my mind, an academic conference is a really specific type of um, animal, I guess, for lack of a better word, that either someone explicitly has to show you how to be within an an academic conference, or you kind of go to your first one and then figure it out. Um, so to me, I felt like, why not make this academic conference be an experiential learning opportunity for students? So that takes a variety of forms. Um, we've, we design the conference in a way that encourages student participation to share the work that they're doing uh, around campus, those that do accessibility work um, or are studying accessibility or disability. Um, so we invite them to come and do a 15-minute presentation if they want or a poster if they don't feel like they um, want to or are interested in doing longer than that. Um, they're certainly part of the planning process. Uh, the student interns that work out of our academic technology office are invaluable in that. Um, um, so they get to experience what it's like to plan a conference or to bring people together. And then also students are encouraged to attend. Uh, and in that way, they're able to practice networking. How do you talk to people? They're surrounded by people like Shay, um, some of the other people who are, who are true professionals, um, really well-renowned in the field, and get to interact with those people uh, and learn how do I have these conversations? What sorts of questions can I ask? Um, so to me... Students are really a core part of it, uh, and and I think that's I yeah. think that's great. I mean, I mean, personal anecdote: I'm a student, and I'm going to the conference, yay. and I'm very excited about it. And like you said, like a shout out to all the interns, the student interns yes. that have really worked really hard on this, and uh, are also really excited for it, like myself. 
Um, so besides for students and uh, everyone sitting here at this table, who typically attends this conference? Sure. What are their job functions and what are their industries? So this goes back to what I was saying earlier about having different um, different people at the table, having a diverse group of people. Um, we have faculty, definitely. We've got faculty from our college who are attending, faculty from other colleges on campus. Uh, we have um, instructional designers, learning designers, so people who are helping faculty um, and instructors create online courses or hybrid courses, so they're attending. Uh, we have administrators who will be attending as well, um, students, of course. Uh, then we have any sort of content creator, if you will. So uh, some web developers might be there. Um, and then outside of that, we have people, like I said, from the state of government, uh, the state of Michigan governmental offices. So people who are working around um, disability in the state uh, will attend. We have people from different nonprofits like Michigan Disability Rights Coalition. Um, so there'll be some people there uh, from MDRC. Uh, so it's really a, a broad kind of group of people. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly academic. That's still um, the largest kind of group that's in the room. Um, but we have people coming from a lot of different places for it. Right. So. I think that's a good um, example of how vast and wide accessibility is and all the different focuses that there must be some sort of accessibility um, portion of in all of these different job functions and industries. Um, so turning the mic on, Shay. Sure. <laughs> um, can you talk about your work at the Coleman Institute and um, the Department of Psychiatry? Sure, happy to do so. So the Coleman Institute for Cognitive Disabilities was established by an endowment um, from our generous donors, Bill and Claudia Coleman, who are really well-experienced um, executives in Silicon Valley. And their goal for the institute was to be able to put in the hands of everyone, particularly people with cognitive disabilities who are generally um, don't have access to technology, give them the opportunity to see what it can do to enhance the quality of their lives and those of their families. So that has really been our goal. We um, support research in the university. So what's unique about our center is we are actually housed out of the president's office at the University of Colorado. So the University of Colorado has four campuses. And being out of the president's office gives us a unique perspective to be seen by all the universities. It also gives us a leverage point to be able to do exactly what you're talking about in accessibility, which is have multiple touch points, allow everybody who is involved with um, education and understanding of disability as a diverse perspective and that it can come in many forms and should touch every aspect of your learning experience. And so a lot of what we do, we do focus on this cognitive sector. So 30 million people in the U.S., a lot of whom of which, so when we talk about those populations, we're talking about intellectual and developmental disabilities, traumatic brain injury, stroke, um, Alzheimer's, and severe and persistent mental health. Now, on university campuses, we get a spattering of some of those folks, some more represented than others. But what we're recognizing a lot of times when we do our research, and it ranges from um, working on specific uh, technologies like social robots for kids with autism to looking at how does IBM convert 
um, large content into plain and simple language, uh, looking at standards base for accessibility. What does accessibility look like on the web? Uh, we do a range of those things as well as working in policy. So our, we've worked with the Federal Communications Commission to include cognitive disability as a best, they have a best practice document that we've addressed. But technology is getting so ubiquitous in our communities and particularly in higher ed. We're seeing incoming students who know technology well, that we can take advantage and do that as educators um, on that skill set. And yet we're not seeing those folks with cognitive disabilities have the same opportunities. And so we look to try and increase those opportunities and give faculty an understanding of what is cognitive. Uh, we see a lot in accessibility in the sensory and physical uh, disability space but not as much in the cognitive space. So part of it is also educating uh, what is cognitive disability. In fact, we move to what is cognitive diversity mm -hmm. Mm. and how does that apply? That's interesting uh, to think about it in, the, in, the, in those terms because mm -hmm. it really expands our understanding of, of um, both what cognitive, various cognitive abilities and disabilities uh, involve, but also, it it sheds light on the notion that this i mean it strikes me as you're talking that the cognitive disabilities are have a double challenge so there's already the challenge of having a wider recognition for disabilities generally mm -hmm. and when they're physical disabilities they're they're very visible mm -hmm. i'm i'm also very attentive to the fact that i'm using visual metaphors here for it. so you know that's part mm -hmm. of part of the challenge mm -hmm. But those those physical disabilities are often very visible to 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 people, mm -hmm. but the cognitive disabilities are less visible. So there's kind of two layers of this. And how do you how do you think about that with respect to the educational mission? Uh, well, in terms of the education, you know, uh, and and. Kate will, will give me a little tap because I don't want to give away too much of the presentation for <laughs> because tomorrow. Because tomorrow, everybody. Exactly. <laughs> so, so little teasers um, here and there. Uh, a lot of what we, we try to do is talk about it in that it's not this mystical disability perspective um, and break down disability as what is this environmental fit and rather than that, that it's within the individual, but it's the fit between the person and the environment. And in a learning environment where our goal as educators is to allow students to have experiences and to gain content knowledge in multiple formats, really it's about trying to do good education. And good education allows us to do a lot of things like teachable moments and differentiate an instruction, all of which lead to greater accessibility. Right. Meeting, meeting people where they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's, so w one of the challenges that I've experienced in, in my own life and in our own family with regard to some of these issues of cognitive disability is trying to get purchase on what what that what that is because mm -hmm. it is difficult to get into the perspective of another person mm -hmm. and 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 so how how do you address those kinds of 
That's a, that's a really great question because we do have, we work with industry and uh, we see a lot of the practices that we've seen over the past, you know, y- decades have been using disability sensitivity trainings, using kind of empathy training, the quote unquote empathy training activities. But the reality is, and, and what we know from research base now, is that those forms of integration and trying to build empathy, unless it's with very young children, um, aren't as effective. The thing that is effective is really engaging people with cognitive disabilities in the environment. We talk about industry hiring people with cognitive disabilities in their environment. In order to really understand, you have to have those immediate perspectives because what also we don't find in these empathy trainings is people with um, disabilities generally, uh, people with generalized differences in ability, adapt. And they learn to adapt. And they are incredibly resilient. And that's not something you can showcase in a simulation. And so a lot of our job is tying folks with cognitive disabilities in their families to stakeholders that are interested. So tying them to industry partners and saying, you know, if you want to really understand this, have these meaningful conversations. When we look at accessibility as a process, you involve them at the very beginning. We have um, been fortunate that we've we've partnered with um, quite a few technology industry partners and have built in um, ambassadorships. So folks with cognitive disabilities that wouldn't generally have an opportunity to engage, we provide some support very minimal. We don't try to structure that, um, but we allow them the opportunity to be at that forum. And really the best way to get those perspectives are having people present Mm -hmm. and and understanding, not only having them present, um, which as a a self-advocate heard, used a really great term. um, (laughs) She called it consultant theater, (laughs) where, you know, they bring people into a room and they ask them questions, but the reality is they don't take that feedback and move it on. They have people with cognitive disabilities in the room for the sake of having them in the room. The goal is to understand how to translate information and translate knowledge so that meaningful impacts and feedback can be used. Yeah, one of the things that we've talked a lot about in in the college is helping students cultivate the capacity for what we're calling ethical imagination. Mm -hmm. And from my perspective, that's beyond empathy. So when you say mm-hmm. that these empathy training modules and things are so are, are so limited in terms of your real capacity to live into the experience of mm-hmm. another person and engage that mm-hmm. person in a substantive way with an eye toward making the world better mm-hmm. through the relationship you have with the other person. Mm-hmm. That is the more textured understanding from my perspective of what ethical imagination involves. Mm-hmm. And that is only possible when you have people in your environment who you have real relationships with and who you can engage on a human level Mm -hmm. where you can encounter your own limitations and their limitations and begin to think your way through those and beyond those. Right. And we're seeing that in universities are getting more, are getting better at actively seeking community membership. So we're seeing universities, I believe it's in Ireland, where they've done a really good job of encompassing retired and aging population and bringing them into courses 
getting their feedback on experiences in, say, history is a perfect example. Um, personalized experiences mm -hmm. from what is generally a, a community that doesn't engage very often in higher education, but using that, their experiential learning um, into a live setting with emerging learners. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're experts. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they become experts and, 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 and in engaging them as experts is, becomes really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just do such incredible work. Why, why are you here at MSU? What brought you here? Oh, I, you know, I am very fortunate in, in knowing Kate. Um, I think Kate, we're all very fortunate yeah. in knowing Kate. You know, Kate and I met at a um, Teach Access event, which, uh, I, you know, I don't know that we've described that here. Yeah, we, can, we here. can describe that. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and oh, describe sure. that. Um, so Teach Access is a group of industry and university partners who are coming together to um, address accessibility and by encouraging it to be included in the curriculum. Um, so you probably were a part of it longer than I was. I kind of <laughs> came in at the tail end. Yeah. But um, it's all of the kind of major major tech companies, major companies you would think of. So mm -hmm. um, we have Yahoo, now Oath, um, Facebook, Google. Um, Microsoft. Microsoft. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Adobe, yep. um, and on and on. There's, yes. there's several We're, we're going to miss one. Yeah, so we're, we're going to miss one. So sorry, everyone out there. <laughs> uh, but there's many. Uh, and, and likewise, there's a variety of universities from across okay. the country. Um, but what was happening is that industry was saying, hey, when we hire recent grads to come in and work, we put them in a room and ask, how many of you have heard of accessibility? And rarely do they raise their hand and know what it is. Um, so they thought, hey, we would really love to partner with universities on this. Um, so together, they, the organization, Teach Access, is looking to address this in a variety of ways. So certainly through um, some things like credentials, so some uh, like computer science or some or mm -hmm. engineering or some of the majors that have um, those sorts of regulations. That's not the word I want. Applications. Thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. They they're looking they're addressing it that way. Um, Shay and I are part of the engaging. Uh, students in another way, so not just through their classwork. So not just we're going to teach you about accessibility in your um, XA class, for example, but how can we get students involved in this um, that isn't just through class? And so certainly mm -hmm. something like this conference could be one way, mm -hmm. um, but one thing that we've been working on is a study away experience. Um, so yeah, so Teach Access is really... It's a unique uh, a, a organization. You know, it came out of AAPD, which is the uh, Association on People with Disabilities. There was a tech forum that first started in that national organization that brought together industry partners with really people from the, the disability advocacy groups. And out of that, and it started many years ago, really spearheaded by Larry Goldberg at Yahoo, and I think found the right partners and the right timing. Accessibility has become more and more um, visible. And because we're seeing greater applications for people to participate, uh, we're seeing greater diversity in consumers and clients and students uh, across the board. And it really came at a good time where there was this lack of uh, a talent pool, really and truly. And universities wanted to support students in accessing, you know, jobs as they left in access. Um, 
and having that basic knowledge. And so I think it is a great partnership between organizations of higher education and industry to say, we, we see the need. Uh, and as universities, we want to partner to make sure that we fulfill that need. Right. So we talk about the conference, we talk about accessibility um, sort of broadly, but why should we be caring about it? And why is it so important in education, especially right here at MSU? Sure. So I think of it as a social social justice mm-hmm. um, issue. Uh, and I also think of it as a student success issue, uh, which, of course, those can be intertwined in many ways. But um, we are in the business, if you will, of educating students, um, helping them acquire new knowledge, new experiences. Um, and why don't we – we want that for all of our students, no matter their ability, no matter – who they are, where they're coming from. So um, accessibility and digital accessibility uh, is one aspect that we can address to help all of our students be successful. Um, so like I said earlier, that applies to the websites that we use in the university, um, definitely to digital files, uh, digital content, I should say. So uh, if students are taking an online course, a hybrid course, or a face-to-face course, there are still digital documents being used there. Um that's important that students have access to that information. Uh, Without it, they might not be as successful in a a classroom. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. So, Dean Long, what is your role as a leader in all of this? Sometimes as a leader, you need to know when to be a follower. And uh, this is a case in which um, Kate and her office and um, the leadership that she's shown across the university has taught me a lot about how, uh, first of all, a set of issues that uh, are vitally important to the success of our students and our staff and uh, everyone who comes into um, encounter with our uh, university and with our with our college. But what's uh, what's been a, a wonderful opportunity for us and and is 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 this initiative is helping me respond to a challenge at the university level which is often to frame issues of accessibility in compliance terms so there's the way that you know we often hear about it at the administrative level is we have to comply there's a legal there's a law that you have to comply with and so we have to get our websites in order and we have to do all of this stuff and we have to do that, obviously. But to shift the focus from compliance to questions of social justice, to questions of student success, aligns more readily with our values as a university, with our values as a college. And so continuing to shift the focus as I talk to my colleagues around the university about this issue, having learned so much from Kate and from the previous conferences, is really vital because it is a social justice issue. It is at the core of the Michigan State Land Grant mission to be accessible, to make knowledge accessible, to educate the next generation of citizen leaders, and to do that in a way that is as broad as it possibly can be. And to shift the the conversation from compliance to social justice and to the core values through which we really um, engage with our administrative and academic life. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to thank Dean Long because he's always supportive and, and the leader, all of the leadership from our college. Um, specifically thinking about this conference, you know, three years ago when I pitched the idea to 
uh, Scott, who's one of our assistant deans who I work, we work in the office together. He was like, sure, let's try it. Let's see what happens. You know, if, if, if it fails, well, we tried it. It was one day, no big deal. Uh, and there was actually, so always from the beginning, the college has been super supportive of this idea, uh, of the conference specifically. Um, and there's a, a lot of skepticism across, not a lot, but there is some mm-hmm. uh, in, in other parts of the university. So uh, I, I think that our college really, truly cares about this and has supported it all along. So... Yeah, I, and one of the things that, and this is a way to to um, ask Shay your uh, your advice on this, because mm-hmm. the challenge that we really ha- have now is, what's the next level for us? We this has bubbled up, and part of what one does in these cases is to nurture what's successful, to see the opportunities that you have mm-hmm. to lead, and then to try to nurture that. But we need to integrate it into the academic mission of the college mm-hmm. and of the university. And I know the work that you're doing has th- that tie-in as well. Yeah. You know, um, you are incredibly fortunate, Kate, here to have administrative support across organizations, not only higher ed institutions, but industry, um, private organizations in in uh direct support provision for people with disabilities. When we see access really take off, it's because it was a demanded interest of people in administration. They, they, they cared about it. It was important. So what it does is when you have that high level of support from administration, it does support a cultural shift. And, you know, as we move forward, higher ed has, has compliance uh, um, concerns that we have to address. But I think most importantly is changing the shift in the culture. And some of that has to do with how do we evaluate success of accessibility? Do we do it through student evaluations? Do we do it through um, demonstrating, rewarding accessible classes in the way that faculty can be rewarded for that type of access? Because the reality is when you do a good job in accessibility, you're doing a good job in teaching. Uh, it's it allows you that diversity. So in terms of moving it, I do think you have a tremendous um, opportunity in that you have administrative support here. That that's not something you always see. And so we're lucky at our university, we have it as well, being out of the president's office, mm-hmm. that gives us some visibility that we wouldn't necessarily see. Um, but that that is an amazing piece. But also allowing students, I, I, I applaud Kate as well in integrating students. Students become our bread and butter of how to see social change within the university. And so partially engaging as many students as you can in the conversation of accessibility, giving them opportunities to know what it means and to know what it looks and does not look like. So you know, one of the principles of teaching is demonstrating what something does not look like can be more effective in educating what it does look like and knowing that difference. So those are things you can do. Yeah, and I think that those are really important um, dimensions of this, and, and we're working hard on, on, on those levels. I'm wondering also about faculty scholarship mm-hmm. and research into mm-hmm. issues associated with various levels of disability, whether it be cognitive disability or physical disabilities, not just the scientific side mm-hmm. of it, which is also important, and there's a lot of that research going on here at MSU, but 
I'm thinking, of course, from the College of Arts and Letters perspective and the cultural dimensions Absolutely. and the dimensions of uh, the literary dimensions and, mm-hmm. and, and the artistic and performance Absolutely. arts dimensions. So do you have some thoughts about that from the from the research side of your mm-hmm. of your work? Well, we, we uh, as you know, we talk about nationally disability will affect anybody at any point in time. So everybody at some point in their lifetime will experience disability. And it can take any form in any type of discipline. So ensuring that there's a touch point as to what that looks like in the performing arts. Um, There are plenty across the country of performing arts that are simply people with physical disabilities. How does that look different? How can we incorporate that as a different genre of um, education, looking at it from you know social science perspective, there certainly has been a lot about learned helplessness going on in positive psychology, and how do we look at learned hopefulness and turn that on its head? Also, how do we look at pedagogy to be more inclusive in its applications, multimedia formats? You know, you get down to some of these nitty gritty details of accessibility. But what they're all doing is presenting opportunities for people to learn in different ways and demonstrate success in different ways. So there's a lot of research still to be done, particularly in the cognitive space. Yeah. Well, that was just a snippet of what you'll see tomorrow at the Accessible (laughs) Learning Conference. Um, For more information on that, you can visit accessiblelearning.org, learn about the different keynote speakers like Shay, all the different workshops, and more. Um, So, yeah, I think we're going to start wrapping it up. Thank you, everyone, so much for coming. Um, A big thank you to everyone involved with this podcast, including our technical producer, producer Daniel Trago. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And our marketing director and producer, Ryan Kilcoin. And, of course, you can access all of our Michigan State University College of Arts and Letters Liberal Arts Endeavor podcast, season one, and our current season two at cal.msu.edu backslash about backslash. Why can't I say this? <laughs> podcast. And finally, the ideas and opinions expressed on this program do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any official entities of Michigan State University. Um, Our next podcast will be after the new year in January. So enjoy the holidays and we'll see you next year. Thanks for listening. Go green. Go white.